0: is Upbeat
1: with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Hey guys, welcome to Upbeat, and thank you very much for being here and for listening in today. If you would, please follow the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. That is always super appreciated, so thank you for that. Today on the podcast, we've got two phenomenal guests, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus, hosts of the Hyperconscious podcast. Peak performance business coaches, speakers, entrepreneurs. And Alan is an engineer with an MBA and now has his own business consulting firm. Kevin is the founder of the From Zero to Podcast Agency. And in this episode, we get to hear their stories, we get to learn their stories, all the ups and downs, how they got to where they are today. And we take a deep dive into some amazing personal development topics like how to improve our thoughts and our choices, how to be more confident, and how to design a magnificent life on our own terms. It really is a great interview, a fun one. I had a blast. I hope they did too. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, also if you'd like to watch this interview you can because we recorded it on zoom So I put that video up on the website parkercane.co slash podcast. Let's get into it Alan kevin. Thank you very much for joining me on upbeats. I appreciate
0: it. We
2: appreciate you. We're very uh Very ready to go deep and, and see where we go. Yeah, thank you so much
0: for having us Very pumped for this and we have a salt lamp. So the energy is yes. going to be on point That's our third <laughs> member right there the salt lamp. Yep
1: Awesome. Love it. Well, uh, just jumping in right out the gates, um, just give the listeners a little bit more information about you guys uh, and just share a little bit more about yourselves. Kevin, if you could kick oh that boy. off, that'd be awesome.
2: All right. So, you want the full, I'll give you the like full short version of my story because Alan's is pretty long, but we'll try to keep them anytime <laughs> we do uh, episodes together, we try to keep it a little bit shorter. So, um, right now, the person you see is a podcaster, a speaker a podcast consultant, the CEO of his own podcast agency, many things, right? 430 episodes, many things. But 5 years ago I wasn't the person at all that I am today. I'd never read a book on personal development. I never listened to anything personal development like. So when I was 25, I had uh, by all outside standards what any 25-year-old man could want. I had the body of my dreams, I had a model girlfriend, uh, a brand new car, a high-paying job, a beautiful apartment, like everything that anybody could really claim to ever want. But inside I was pretty miserable. Um, I wasn't happy at all. I just looked really happy. I know Alan said, like, if I ever saw you, I assumed you were very happy. You had everything that makes people quote unquote happy. So at 25, the end of my at that year, my girlfriend left me. And when my girlfriend left me for the first time, I had to look in the mirror of like. Oh, wait, you're not nearly as confident as you think, as you pretend to be, and as everybody else thinks you are. And I really had to like take this inner look at who I was for the first time in my life at 25 years old. And I was like super down for a couple of weeks after my girlfriend left. I'm like, I don't know why she left. I'm, you know, I'm never gonna find another girl like this. I'm living in this big apartment by myself. My bills just doubled. Work is slow. Like, Some people have the misfortune of hitting rock bottom, other people have the misfortune of finding out rock bottom has a basement. This is my initial rock bottom, right? Broke, lonely, scared, insecure. So what did I do? What a lot of people do, I looked to personal development. So I started listening to Tony Robbins, Uh, I started saying positive affirmations, that was like my initial dive. So every night before I went to bed, I would say, you're handsome, you're talented, you're worthy, you're intelligent, and this year, You're going to make the most money you have ever made in your entire life. Unfortunately, I leaned on that last one a little bit too hard. So, 2016 starts off. I get a promotion to the foreman of a construction company. Um, We travel up and down the East Coast, making state and government buildings more energy efficient. Fast forward to the end of that year, I was on the road for 10 out of the 12 months. Hotel. To hotel, and this is not the Ritz. Like, this is the Red Roof Inn with cockroaches crawling under the floor, blood in the shower. Like, we are not staying at nice places. But I'm always on the road. Five days a week, I'm on the road driving back six hours from New Jersey. Like, that is my life, right? That is my life. But I wanted to make the money, so it didn't matter. I was willing to trade in my happiness for money because I put so much emphasis on that. So we get to the end of the year, I'm sitting at my kitchen table I open up my final pay stub and I'm thinking did I do it did I make six figures at 26 years old with no college degree faster than any of my friends who were all bragging about how they were, they were going to be balling after college and I did I made that money but in that moment I realized that nothing changed I did the same thing I did the year before where I put so much emphasis on exterior things that I didn't work on myself right the positive affirmations stopped the visualizations stopped all that stopped And it was in that moment where I realized that it doesn't matter, you know, the car, the car doesn't matter. What's in your bank account doesn't really matter, right? Like what you did today, what you're doing tomorrow, the house, none of that really matters. What matters is up here. And that's where hyperconscious was born. Most of my life, I'd been living unconsciously. And I I realized like, okay, well, what's the opposite of unconscious? It's not conscious. It's hyperconscious. And that's that's where this came up. So um, this started as a passion for me. I was just kind of interviewing. Alan was the first person I interviewed. It was a horrible interview. Do not go and listen back. Um, but it was just like a passion thing. I didn't want to make it like my job. I just wanted to do it because I loved it. But this that year, 2017, when I started this, it started off like the year prior. I was on the road constantly. And you're a podcaster. You know how hard it is not only to lock down interviews but to do the post production work. Like doing that from a hotel room was nearly impossible. It was brutal. So. I started to really understand that like, I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. I didn't want to do this construction thing. I wanted to like kind of be my own boss and do my own thing. And I like literally would call out of work and you know, I was making like a hundred bucks an hour. So me calling out of work was missing 800 bucks. I didn't care. We would leave the job early. Everybody that worked under me on my crew was pissed at me because I was like, guys, we don't have anything to do here. Let's just go. Uh, I was leaving for work later. So I would, I live in Massachusetts and i was driving to new jersey it's a four and a half hour ride i would sleep in my bed from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and then drive four and a half hours straight to the job site and then work an 8 hour day and then go to the gym and then on fridays my day was the opposite i would work an 8 hour day i'd drive four and a half hours home and then i'd go to the gym so like my my weeks were just getting away from me and i couldn't hold a steady relationship i didn't really spend any time with my friends I was just miserable. I was just miserable. And I'll never forget, this is the moment, this is my rock bottom basement moment that changed my life forever in the best ways, but also the worst ways. So I'm in a crusty hotel room in New Jersey, nothing against any New Jerseyans in here. It's a cold winter morning and it's like 5.45 and I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm lacing up my work boots. And I've done this hundreds of times, hundreds of times in different hotel rooms in different states at different times with different people, like hundreds of times. And the best way I can explain it is there's like 10 televisions on in my head and every single one is on a different station, right? One is screaming, you're stuck here. One is screaming, your friends are gonna judge you if you leave. What is your family gonna say? You're never gonna be able to find a job making this kind of money again because you don't have a college degree. Like you got lucky to get this, right? Like you're stuck here. And then the loudest one was, there's no way you could ever become a successful podcaster. Like doubt has always been my the thing holding me back. Like a lot of people have believed in me. I've never believed in myself. So I closed my eyes and I genuinely felt like in that moment, the best thing for me to do would be to take my own life. Because if I took my life, I took my problems with me. And I texted Alan, Snapchatted Alan actually, and I told him, Hey man, I'm feeling like really bad. Um, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know what to do. I feel like I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. And he said, look, man, you've been changing a lot, but your circumstances haven't changed, right? The, the outside stuff hasn't changed. And he kind of walked me off the ledge, so to speak. And three or four months later, I left my job. I went full-time into podcasting, into coaching, into speaking. And now we're 430 episodes later and life is completely different. But the reason I tell that story, I don't want pity. That's not the goal. I want people to understand that, like, I did it so you can too. Not, well, he did that, but it must have been like super hard and I can never do that. Was it difficult? Of course. But I never believed I could do it. People around me believed I could do it, but I never did. So if you're watching or listening to this, like, you can do it. Just get around people who believe in you. Because that's, like, Alan's been pretty much the biggest thing for me because he has undying self-belief. So without Alan, I definitely wouldn't be the man I am today. And uh, if you can find an Alan, you're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely, my goodness. I'm going to tie you into the story.
0: <laughs> One thing that I'll say before I jump into my story is literally what when Kevin says like you can do it too. You know, I've known Kev. I mean, he was in my basement. We were in fifth grade, and we played spin the bottle with some of the popular girls, and we were friends back then. And we grew up in the same small town. And I've seen him grow. Over the years and in the last three and a half to four years since that story like he's a completely revolutionized human being And he had no self-belief when I really start started to finally get to know him and realize like how little confidence He really had and I I just think that if anyone's out there and doesn't believe that this is possible for them I would I would just really question that because if kevin can do it Anyone can if you get around people who support you and you were mentioning this actually in an episode I just listened to you said if you have the right people in your corner mm. And you said it's a boxing analogy. Oh, yes. Love it and how when you're in a fight And a lot of times life is challenging and you're in a fight who's in your corner matters so much And they're there to say the right thing at the right time. They're there to support you They're there to love you when you're down And if you're out there right now the, the theme that i'm gonna end up bringing to the table is that life is about choices And you have a choice about who you allow in your corner. And if you have the right people in your corner, you will feel invincible and you will be able to accomplish your dreams. If you have the wrong people in your corner, no matter how good you are, you probably won't. Um, But to get into my story quickly, and I'll try to give the shortest version of it. When I was two years old, I start there because when I was two years old, I lost something very near and dear to my heart, but I also gained something else. And my father passed away in a car accident when I was two. He was 28 years old. Uh, So what I lost was my father. But what I gained was a really, really deep understanding of the fact that we're all going to die one day. So a lot of people have this intellectual understanding of death and they know that that's the destiny we all share. But I grew up my entire life hearing stories about John, stories about my dad and the impact that he had on people. Like they always talk about how funny he was and how humorous he was and And like he touched so many people's lives. My mom, I thought it was 450. My mom recently said 600 people came to his funeral and that they had to like literally shut down some of Holden for that day. And to me, legacy is not a intellectual understanding, but a real tangible emotional one. And so that's kind of the start of my journey. Fast forward a lot, okay? And I'm gonna give you the very short version of this. My mom taught me life was about choices because I don't think she worked hard enough in academia From her own perspective when her husband died and she had to raise two kids on her own She felt stuck and she felt like she had no choices So she always taught me alan if you aim high You'll have choices. She said you can be a ceo or you can be a farmer and i'm gonna love you either way But if you're a ceo, you can wake up And just decide to go farming because you want to but if you're a farmer You can't just suddenly decide to be a ceo So she planted a dream in my heart. I remember I was in college and I I read Steve Jobs' book, uh, the biography by Walter Isaacson called Steve Jobs, and that was my hero. He revolutionized seven industries. I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO. Now, here's the problem with that: I was very, very crystal clear on my goals, but I wasn't as clear on my core values. So, if your listeners are out there right now and you say, "I intend to be a wealthy," "I intend to be a millionaire," let's say. If you're clear on that goal of being a millionaire, that's great. But if you're not clear on your core values, maybe you'll go work for a cigarette company. And so, it's not just about the goals, it's about what the goals will make of you to achieve them. And so you got to be more hyper conscious about how you set goals, who what your core values are and then what are the beliefs underneath that. But fast forward, I'm in corporate America. I graduated from a, a school called WPI and I had an engineering degree with an MBA, which was again the combination that I thought would get me Fortune 50 CEO. 26 years old. It's 2015 at the time, I believe, really tough winter. I was traveling all over New England for an industrial automation company at the time. I'm up in New Hampshire with my little cousin. And we're going to TGI Fridays. I look down at the GPS. I look up and I see the brightest lights I'd ever seen. Big lift kitted truck. And I honestly thought I was going to die in that moment. Like if you're out there right now and you've ever had a life or death situation, like I legitimately had the thought of this is it. So, fortunately, I'm driving a 2004 Volkswagen Passat because I wanted to save a lot of money and get out of all my school debt in one year, which I was able to do. So, I bought an old car. This old car was Germanly engineered and it was, I used to call it the tank. It was like a steel trap. So, fortunately, both airbags went off. Me and my little cousin were both okay. He hurt his knee. I hurt my face. I'm sitting in an armchair later that night, drinking whiskey, questioning everything. Now, reminder, My dad passed away when he was 28 in a car accident and i've seen the pictures of that car And we took pictures of my car in the junkyard And so i'm sitting there like oh my god that really could have been it for me And i'm questioning the way I lived i'm questioning all my choices. Now. Here's the thing. I was not a bad person I had very pure intentions But to be completely honest, I had I made bad choices. I made bad choices um, I drank too much and too often you know, I tried to be everybody's best friend. I had all my friends from college, all my friends from high school, all my colleagues from Cognex. I was very results driven. And I think I made the mistake of, like Kevin mentioned, chasing external validation at the expense of internal fulfillment. So, I now say this quote on stage and and, I'm fortunate enough to say this on other shows. You cannot see the stars during the day, They are always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply could not within the light When kevin was in that dark moment He could see something he never saw before Because he was in deep deep pain and it was either end it or go change my life So if you're in emotional pain, that's a guarantee but what you do with it Is a choice you can either escape into a vice drugs alcohol netflix bad habits or you can develop a virtue Raise the standard and right now if you're out there listening you have a spotless future I want everyone to really think about that for a second. You have a spotless future. You can start making new choices right now, forever. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter what crap you grew up in, you have a spotless future. Life is about choices. And I noticed a star that I'd never seen before, two stars actually, in that dark moment. One was Tony Robbins' TED Talk. And if you've ever heard it, it's absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. Favorite TED Talk of all time. In my opinion, I've watched hundreds. Of his is the best in my opinion. Number two, Bronnie Ware wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She worked in hospice for eight years. She thought that her job was to take care of others, but her real job was to listen. She heard, I wish, I wish, I wish. She was working with the terminally ill. Fortunately, we've we've had a chance to actually interview Bronnie, which is awesome. Yes, um on the podcast. That was a huge dream come true. I'm a massive fanboy on that episode. But I actually now reverse engineer regret every single day thanks to Kevin's suggestion. I have a flashcard in my pocket and I have for the last 5 years with all 5 regrets. The number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Before this interview, you told me that your listeners most likely desire a life true to themselves and that sometimes their fear might be taking that leap. Uncertainty creates lack of action, which creates lack of results. You have a choice, just like Kevin and I. Don't get to the point where you hate your life so much that you finally leap. You can make that choice now and have the courage to do so. Um, and I guarantee you, you will not regret that. Fire! Thank you, man.
1: Super fire! That's a lot of information from from both of you guys. Thanks for in, enlightening us with that and sharing with us a bit more about you, but also some really important key lessons and takeaways. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of the thing about us is we're so similar in a lot of ways, but we're so different, but like money will not buy you happiness. Like if you're miserable inside, yeah, sure. It can buy you a nice, a nice car, a nice shirt, a nice house. It can buy you all those things, but happiness starts with you. Fulfillment starts with you. Like all that starts in inside yourself. Unfortunately, most people have to find out for themselves, but our goal is to make sure that people like they don't like we had way more money than we needed. Right. It doesn't, it it didn't fix anything. It didn't fix a damn thing. It actually made a lot worse, believe it or not. (laughs) Right. So mindset over everything and character over everything. Mm.
1: Definitely. Well, and I I would love to really hit on this topic too. It's just been resonating with me in my mind. Um, First pinned in my mind through Kevin's story was just that you you and people who are going to see the the clips from this, they're going to see like, you're a well-built dude. Like you're strong. You go to the gym. and, And I feel like we in this society right now, maybe this isn't true, maybe this is just my opinion on it, but it's it's hard for tough guys, essentially, for lack of better words, to be soft guys, right? And I feel like that's a big issue. And ultimately, you went to a point where you had to maybe, I guess, start looking into your softer side and looking into things that were not the gym, not the construction job, not the traveling in the, in those dirty hotels and stuff. So like, what kind of advice do you guys have in regard to tapping into the soft sides, Specifically, if you're a male, I guess this is a shout out to the male listeners, like tapping into your to your softer sides and not really being ashamed of that.
2: Mm-hmm. I would say first things first, understand why you think you have to be tough. Like, so Alan and I both, like Alan said, he didn't grow up with his father. I My father left when I was young. I I didn't really meet my father until I was 29 years old. So, I was raised by women. Alan was raised by women. So that part of it's easy. But I would say this, ask yourself, why do I feel like I have to have my guard up all the time? Where did I get that from? Was that from my father? Because my father said, hey, get up. Don't be a pansy. Put some dirt on it. Men don't cry. Like at the end of the day, your parents probably don't know any more than than you did before you started your journey. So like they don't know what that's going to do to you. They don't understand that you're going to internalize that and and carry that through your life and you're going to be toxic in your relationships because you won't open up to your partner. So first thing is become aware of why you're that way. Second thing is understand that if the people around you don't accept that, if they say like, I don't want to talk about my feelings, those probably aren't the right people in your life anyway. Mm. Really? Really? Right? Like if you can't be authentically, vulnerably you, those aren't the right people for you. I would argue. And then three, understand this, especially if you're a man, I'll, t- I'll speak to the men. If you want an extraordinary relationship, the way to have an extraordinary relationship is to be vulnerable. That is what women want. You might not believe this. Most of our listeners are women. Why? Because we are vulnerable men who show that like, look, there are guys out there who work out and who are smart and you know who take care of their women and who are super vulnerable because it really if you want to be a well-rounded man, and I'm speaking, you know, particularly to the men, you have to be vulnerable. It's not even a negotiable of like, you know, it'd be nice if I could be. You can be. You just have to understand at a deeper level why it's so important. And I would say start by questioning why you're not.
0: Mm. Fire, man. I
2: appreciate that. that.
0: My, My take on that would be a little bit different, but it's going to be kind of the same idea, which is I've found that there's these two facets kind of of life. And, and we've all kind of heard of the, the left and right hemispheres of the brain. So if you're more left-brained, you're more structured, disciplined, mathematical, rational, logical, you know, structured. If you're more right-brained, you're more warm, loving, intuitive, honest, creative. That's the creative. And so it's yin and yang. It's masculine and feminine. We all have both. I think we're, most of us are overdeveloped in one or the other. And then we think the other extreme is wrong. So we create this echo chamber of our our environment of like attracts like and we don't get to know the other people. And so here's what I would say. I went to engineering school with very, very left-brained engineer mathematical humans. But I also grew up with women who were creative, intuitive, loving, warm, honest, sincere. And so I think, you know, I have this unique balance that I'm now able to kind of pitch and catch and I'm ambidextrous, so to speak, with my character. And that's been a huge work in progress. But on one end, you've got warmth and love on the other end you've got strength and assertiveness some people are really really good at success other people are really really good at relationships what's interesting is very few people are really really good at both and a lot of my mentors early on that were super super successful in the the financial world or the corporate world ended up you know having struggles or getting divorced or things like that And we've all seen these really successful people get divorced and things like that here's what i will tell your listeners For your immediate family for your intimate partner for your loved ones and your closest inner circle That spend time with you your character more matters more than anything in other words integrity core values like selflessness Not to a detriment to yourself, but like really caring about other people empathy love warmth When it comes to the marketplace and this is an unfortunate truth People will know you for your skills for your ability to add value. So, for example, I'm a business consultant. If I'm being hired by a business to help them grow their impact and profitability online, they're not checking in with whether or not I'm a perfect father or a perfect business partner or a perfect intimate partner because a lot of that's behind closed doors. Fulfillment will come from character. So, focus there if you want to be fulfilled. Success will come from developing amazing skills, but what if you do both? What if you surround yourself with people who are good at righty and lefty? What if you realize finally that no one's right and no one's wrong and that there's just a right or wrong for you? And so I think that's what I've noticed in in the engineering world versus like, you know, what I grew up in. No one's right or wrong. There's just what's right for you. And I I think that it's important to align with your best character, but also your best version of success because they're just super connected.
2: And ego too. That's the other thing. Like if Alan walks into the studio and says like, you know, uh, how are you doing today, man? And I'm having like a really rough day and I don't feel like I don't want to drop the ego enough to be like, you know, I can really ask for help in this moment. That's why so many people are afraid to ask for help. You're going to drop the ego first, right? And I think ego is an issue for, for many people, especially if you're insecure. You have to ego up because you're afraid of letting somebody in. And if somebody sees my insecurities, God forbid, right? And I'm not saying that facetiously. I used to think that way but you have to be vulnerable in order to connect, right? You've got to take the cover off. You got to take the cover off in order to connect. You got to, on your cell phone, you have that little rubber piece that covers your charger. You got to open that up to connect. There's no way you'll be able to connect if you don't do it that way. Mm-hmm. Analogies are the life. They are. They
1: are. <laughs> well, and it's, the thing is, is it's okay to be wrong. You know, it's okay to not have all the answers. Uh, you know, I think, growing up through through school I, I specifically think about myself in high school I was afraid because I didn't know the answer like if a teacher asked something I was like oh shoot I don't know like look away hide and I think we we grow up that way and then it kind of st- sticks with us throughout our throughout our lives which is unfortunate uh, but it's okay to be wrong it's okay to not have the answers it's okay to say hey you know what? I don't know. Let me, let me reach out to someone who does know or let me learn that. Now I know something that I need to learn <laughs> and get better at. Uh, and I think of, of what Alan said too about the left, left brain, right brain and people thinking other people are wrong. I feel like that's, like that's one way to look at it. And then another way to look at it is people think that's unobtainable and that they can never think like a left brain person. And right. so you can have anything that you want. You just have to work at it. And it's okay to not be the best at something and to be aware of where you can improve.
0: Mm. What's interesting is you'll never be the best at something until you're first not, you know, every expert was once a beginner. Uh, The very first episode of this podcast is brutal. Is brutal. In yeah. Fact. It's very hard to listen to. <laughs> it's on my YouTube if anyone's interested. Don't no, honestly don't <laughs> lose <laughs> all credibility. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and rather than just some phrase, unfortunately we're seeing polished products. Um and we're also seeing only the polished version of the polished product. Yeah. So like Kevin and I today, right? You're you're we're showing up at our best. We're we're cleaned up. We're in the studio. We've got the salt lamp like We're still, we still got messy lives behind the scenes, right? We're trying to show our best, Um, but I think more importantly, we're trying to better our best. So we're going to do our best here today, but we're also going to review this afterwards and then figure out, I guarantee you right after this interview, we're going to ask each other what we could have done uh, better. I was already thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally going to ask Kev like constructive feedback and he's going to say, you should probably answer the damn question, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, that's, be- that's got to be the beauty of having a co-host. I've been thinking about that, by the way, trying to find a co-host for Upbeat.
2: It, uh, honestly, it's, it's interesting, man, because again, 400 episodes, 430 episodes, whatever. But like we mastermind before our episodes, we mastermind after our episodes, we've built a business together. Like, we're going to be building another business together. We've spoken together. We've hosted events together. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not even just the podcast. It's the, in our case, the fact that somebody, the complete opposite of me compliments me so well. Alan is super long-term. He doesn't care about today. It's like, no, 20 years down the road. I'm like, today though, what about today? Like, what do I do now? And we've made a really good team because of that, because we bounce ideas off of each other. And my blind spots are his... Genius zone. In my genius zone, it's probably his oh yeah, his blind spot. For so sure. it's find a h ho- a co-host, absolutely, but make sure they complement you at the highest level possible. I know I just shrunk the field, but it'll be worth it in the long term. <laughs> also, goals,
0: core values, beliefs, and behaviors need to be in alignment. So so picture having the same mission, the same goals and similar core values. I always look at like a pyramid, top of the pyramid is the true north, and that's the mission. And then core values is the foundation. Make sure it's someone who's aligned but they have different core competencies. Mm-hmm. So Kevin was always very humble. He was better at being vulnerable. Um, I think I was better at long-term strategic uh, thinking. Yeah, for sure. And we complement each other be- and we we call it drive to five. And you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that only when we're aligned and because we're so aligned like if he didn't have the goal to be the best man he can be and I didn't also have that goal. And we both had this this mission to impact as many people as we possibly can. There's no way that it would have been able to work this long-term.
1: Yeah, true. When I, I want to go back to people obtaining whatever they want to, I got kind of sidetracked there with the with the co-host thing. Sorry <laughs> about that. But no, no worries. Um, you, guys, you guys say this in your content. I believe it might even, I think it's in Alan's bio. Um, but you talk about how you want to help people design a magnificent life on their own terms. I loved that. When I when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Uh, I feel like more than ever, that's something that people need to be thinking about because I feel more than ever, people are doubtful and divided and scared and worried. And they think that they can't design their own lives. So it's hugely important. So what are some first steps? Like, What can we do to start designing our own lives on our own terms?
2: I'll let you start your quote.
0: I think the first thing would be understanding your your value to the marketplace. So we said money doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't, but it does buy choices. If you don't have enough cash flow, you can't live where you want to live. You know, you can't drive what you want to drive. A well-designed life will require three things, in my opinion. One is mastery of your own skills that the marketplace desperately needs. Number two is a way to consistently and sustainably impact a lot of people with that mastery, with those skills. And then number three is cash flow, money, currency. And so you get paid in proportion to these three things. Number one, how good you are at what you do, how needed is what you do, and then how difficult would it be to replace you. So we were talking earlier in the studio about um, your podcast agency does teaser clips for all your clients. And there's actually a business out there that charges, I think, $1,200 a month or something mm-hmm. to get, at, what is it, 35 of them per month? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's very needed in the marketplace. So if you're out there right now and you want to design a magnificent life, my shorthand answer from this moment forward is going to be this. You need to get really good at something that the world desperately needs. If I just ran a marathon in the desert and you sell water, I need you to survive. If I live on a lake, I'm sorry, I don't need you, right? We hire Eminem to rap for a hundred grand in an evening with a full stadium. We don't hire him to talk about business consulting. So, you have to understand what, what is your acorn of a skill set that you can bring to the marketplace that the world desperately needs. And once you master that and design your life around it, as long as you can work on your character and, and the rest of your life, you'll, you'll be much better off. I would say check
2: in with, with what you actually want. So, I had a mindset client a couple of years ago who's crushing it now. He just bought his like fourth house during COVID like and flipped it <laughs> crazy. Shout but, out to DeVazio. Shout out to Davazio. But when him and I met, he's like, yeah, man, I want to be an orthodontist. And I was like, dude, that's fire. Like, that's an awesome job. Tell me about it. Well, I want to help people. Like, people's smiles mean so much to them. I want to give them that fire, man. I love it. What motivates you? Is it money? Is it this? Is it this? He's like, movement and freedom. I want to be able to, like, kind of do what I want when I want. I said, okay, I don't want to rain on your parade here. But orthodontists, like, you're going to have to go to school for, like, six years. And then you're going to have to probably work under somebody in a concrete building you can't really do that virtually and if you want your own practice you're going to have to grind your face off for x amount of years to get that thing up and he's like oh wow i don't know if i want to do that like i want i want to be able to travel i want to be able to do certain things that changed the that changed the journey of his life like he learned in that moment that you know what maybe i don't want to do this and he went all in on real estate and now he's crushing it so i would say like if and i know it's a tough thing to say but if money didn't exist don't pretend that you're a millionaire. That, don't do that. If money wasn't a thing, what would you do when you woke up tomorrow? And then I would pair that with this quote that I live by, your reality becomes the parts of your imagination you hold on to the longest. Everybody ended up where they ended up because they believe that's as far as they could go. The people that make it all the way just believe they can get there. So, I would say all that stuff I just said, I would say that. <laughs> and then I would say probably hire a coach Somebody that's going to believe in you. Because if you don't believe in yourself naturally, your imagination is not going to allow you to shoot for the stars. Mm-hmm. It's going to shoot for like what you can see. Like, yeah, it looks pretty good over there. I'll take that. So I would say that. Get, some, get a mentor. Get some guidance in your life. Which,
1: by the way, we know, all three of us know David Meltzer, you guys more yes. so than, than I, I do. Meltzer. Yeah. But when you, were saying, when you were saying that, I was just thinking of him. Like He is somebody who has quote unquote made it right? But he never shuts off. He never stops dreaming. He keeps going and he wants to impact like a billion people and he's just never going to stop. And I think for a lot of people, they just think they're going to get to a destination and stop. (laughs) And that's not how it should be necessarily.
0: Right. Well, I think uh, one thing I would say about that is I remember when I was 22 and Kevin's heard me tell this story before. I drove to LA. So from Boston to LA. and I tell people everyone says it's about the journey and I do agree with that but driving from Boston to Worcester which is an hour away is a very different journey than driving from Boston to Los Angeles. Yes, it, life is about the journey and there is no port. There is no end. There is no finish line necessarily other than, you know, death. But the destination, aka destiny that you choose in advance, Is going to change everything you do and don't do everything you think and don't think everything you say and don't say Everything you believe and don't believe Like if you have no goals, you don't have to get rid of limiting beliefs If you have no goals, you don't have to get better and so I think people have this aversion. some people do they have an aversion to setting goals Like I don't really want to have to do this this and this it's like well I think you're missing the point of a goal a goal. We did an episode one time on the seven reasons to set a goal And the least important reason was actually to get the goal. The seventh least important reason was to get the goal. The fears you must face, the people you must meet, the things you must learn, the people you must help. I was on a coaching call not long ago. I said, I'm going to help you help a shitload more people, pardon my French, and make a ton (laughs) more money. It's like, if you don't have a goal, you never would have even hired me. And so if you're out there right now, I would say you have a spotless future, design it in advance, and then trust that you can do it. And it's going to be challenging, but I asked my girlfriend one time, can you grow without challenge? She said, no. Immediately, no. (laughs) I said, can you have challenge without pain? She said, no, immediately. And it's like, well, then why are we all avoiding pain when the only way to grow is to have some discomfort? You know, life starts outside your comfort zone. Like This has been so challenging. The entrepreneurial journey, I'm going to ask Kevin real quick. The entrepreneurial journey of starting this business has been
2: the hardest. The most difficult thing I've ever done in my life.
0: Right. Ever. And it keeps getting more challenging. Yeah. We just keep getting better. When you get better, you get more fulfilled. And honestly, I think that's more of what life's about because we're helping so many people at a level we never would have been able to if it wasn't for
2: us setting that goal, you know, out of the get. I, I do calls with podcasters, like early podcasters. And one of the things that happens so often, hey, Kev, I'm five episodes in when can I start monetizing and getting sponsors? When you're good enough where people listen to you. Like, but so many people are like looking for an out before they even get in, right? Like if you want to be in shape because it's beach season, you probably won't be because it, it takes like five years to get in the shape that you want to get into the beach season. <laughs> right. And it's like that with almost, it's like that with almost everything. And I think that if you stack the goals, so when we started this podcast, there was not even a talk of money. Legitimately zero. Yeah, It never, <laughs> if you were to say like, what are the top 10 things about podcasting? I bet you money would be the last one. Like genuinely, camaraderie, the, li- like the ultimate level of contribution. People are listening to our show right now. So we just doubled our time, right? We're, we're influencing and helping and influencing, helping. That's, that's wild, yeah. right? Like the relationships we've built, the team that we have, how proud I am, how much I've learned, right? Like I, I'm six in, I haven't mentioned money yet.
0: Our relationships too. Yeah, uh, We have beautiful girlfriends who actually just came on our last mastermind to talk about our relationship systems to our listeners. That was a dream come true. Right. I told Kev, that was actually, most of the things that manifest our visions that I had at some point, some things are even greater than I ever imagined. Like I never imagined having a girlfriend come on to give a relationship training with Kevin's girlfriend. It was like, oh my God, this is a dream I didn't even know (laughs) was possible. Like, I mean, I knew it was possible maybe, but I never even thought about it in advance. So for me, I could tear up just thinking about it. Like the byproducts of your goals are going to be better than the goals. You know, I won a trophy, whatever, first place, men's physique. Whatever the trophy is, the least important part. This body that I get to live in every day is awesome. Like I feel good all the time, and so I again, you know, just to, for your listeners, it's like take the leap and set a big goal that that really inspires you. It really is like you know what? What would that be like? Like it, it gets your heart involved. Uh, we talk about Y power and a lot of other things, but if you don't have Creole Clear Crystal Crystal Clear. Wow. Wow. Crystal clear. One of my goals is to be a fire speaker. I'm still working on that one. Um, (laughs) Crystal clear goals. You're going to wake up and wing it. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about this. He says, you can have the best ship, best captain in the world. If he or she doesn't know where to go, you're just going to drift around. And by the way, all the things you can drift around in today are very unsavory. Okay? Like, there's a lot of really quick you know, pleasure-seeking things at, at our palm of our hands. If you don't have your own true north, you are going to drift around and where you're drifting is not going to be savory. Um, and I'm, you know, guilty of that just like anyone else, but
2: savory. The other thing too, <laughs> quick analogy. I, I know Alan and I are just throwing back the board. <laughs> I'm sure you have some questions. Um, it's almost like this. If you've never seen Avatar, You have no idea what to expect in Avatar 2. You couldn't even imagine what the movie is like because you didn't see the first version. That's what this is like. I'm sure that's what your journey's been like. I can't explain to somebody what it's like where we're at because there's been so many things that I didn't even know were possible. So if you're shooting for a goal, you almost can't know what to expect. And that's a good thing. If you can know what to expect, you probably have to shoot a little bit bigger, honestly. Right. I'll shut up now. That was fire. It's a good <laughs> analogy. Avatar. I haven't even seen the full movie, so I'm Jeff by, <laughs> by saying it. But. That's why it's a good
0: example. He doesn't know what Avatar two is going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Love that. Uh, well, and you guys
1: kind of answered a question that I definitely had, which was, you know, things are largely driven by choice and by the power of our thoughts and like the things that we're constantly thinking about. So I was going to ask, what are some things that we can do to make better choices and have better thoughts, ensure that we're always having better thoughts? And I feel like the answer to that is goals, you know, and not treating it like a chore, but treating it like something that's going to be super, super helpful for you because it is. It's something Mm. that you should cherish you know
0: is your goals um
1: so i really really loved that
0: oh what was that i like i like that you use the word cherish it's one of my favorite words yeah
1: maybe we'll title this something with uh with cherish (laughs) i like that make the title we don't have any notes
2: for sure we don't have any cherish in our titles we'll have to uh we've been jeffing
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well the other thing i wanted to really get into as well was improving speaking and confidence and it was it's what crossed my mind because you you messed up saying crystal clear then you said that <laughs> you you're kind of like botching your speaking here and you're still working on it and I was literally going to segue right into you guys are extremely powerful speakers <laughs> but you guys <laughs> <are."> <laughs> I was like you you guys really are though you're powerful speakers you guys speak well on podcasts you speak well on stage I'm sure you speak well on a phone call with a friend. You speak well. I don't think there's an um in this podcast from you guys. Like there I, you know that it's a, a a really it's not something that's god-given to you, I'm assuming, but you've worked really hard and that's clear. You can see that you've worked hard to be good at it. So, what are some things people can do to not assert, not just visually show that they're confident? but to actually be confident and to actually speak well?
2: I would literally say this, and this is going to be the answer nobody wants to hear. And this is what I tell my clients. Stop editing the stuff that you talk. Like when you speak, you don't, we've never edited a podcast. That's why we're good speakers. Like maybe once or twice we've edited out something that we didn't want to see the light of day. (laughs) But on 99.9% of our podcast episodes, we add an intro, we add an outro, and it gets released. Like we don't, edit anything. I do the intro live every single time. I, for me, it's like, it's kind of preparation by fire. You're going to suck it first. That's fine. That's fine. Get the sucking out of the way now because then you understand like the reason we're good speakers is because we've done it more than most people. Mm. And But I've also failed more than most people. So, we we do a mastermind
0: every Monday. and. I was telling Kevin recently, I'm like, dude, we have to do like a brand new keynote every every week. week. <laughs> you know, we just did one on the top ten things to understand about fitness. Uh, we've done relationships. Next week, we're doing the the top ten takeaways from 430 episodes. So you're seeing a very, very consciously, hyperconsciously polished product. Between Kevin and myself, we've done over a thousand hours of of actual in front of mic or on stage speaking literally. Uh, And we actually have that tracked. We we just surpassed 500 each. Um, And so I'll give you a more scientific answer, but it'll be brief. (laughs) So I have a formula actually that I use, and this is how I've gotten to be a good speaker. And trust me, I still need a lot of work for sure. Um, No, I'm kidding. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) prep, rep, reflect, perfect. So picture a circle on a a whiteboard. It's It's like like a circle. circle. In the upper left, you've got prep. That is me on my way here listening (laughs) to you on your show, when I first got in the studio, I said, I really like Parker. He's a good speaker. I loved his, his episode I just listened to. Okay, so that's the prep work, okay? Now there's the rep. This is the rep. This is the active value. This is us actually practicing in real time. Okay, we're on the field right now. Reflect. This is the part that most people don't do because it's painful, especially at the beginning. Oh my God, it's hard to listen to yourself. <laughs> Brutal, right? So, I'm going to ask you, and you, you'll attest to this later in life, <laughs> Parker. I'm going to ask you to listen to this. I'm going to ask you, when is it releasing? Because I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, I'm going to pick out every um, I'm going to pick out every story. I'm going to say, did I even answer that question? Oh, I didn't, right? So, that's how I've gotten better. And then perfect. Perfect is make the, make the tweaks. We, at one point, had this rolling theme for probably two or three months where it's like,
2: you're not allowed to say um. Yeah, we had a board that said no ums. You know, you're not allowed to say um. You say um, like something, ha- I don't remember what happens. <laughs> Cut off a toe.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> we have no toes. No, so, but here's the thing. I think we put a dollar in the jar for something like a like day that. or yeah. whatever, but it was a thing. And honestly, Kevin was better than me at the no um thing. I'm actually, this is the first I've ever heard someone say that I don't say um. I, I hadn't realized because that one. That I feel like layer. I kind
2: of probably did.
0: I think you, I said it. You knew that we don't say um, no, no, I think I said um, oh, I think I probably did too, but I appreciate that. So for your listeners, this is, if you play basketball for 10 years, you're going to crush me. You know what I mean? You can come hung over. I'm not saying you should and still destroy me that everyone does their best. Not everyone betters their best. That process is how you better your best right now. Kevin and I are doing our absolute best on this show right now. What most people don't do is the second part which is
2: bettering your best so that every rep is better. And if it's overall confidence, Parker, I would say this. Start, start measuring your wins. Stop looking at only the losses. Oh, I should have done this. I would have done this. What did you do well? If you really want to become confident, you have to start giving yourself credit and you have to understand where you're actually competent. So if I was to shoot a bow and arrow right now, I'm not very confident that I'm capable of hitting the bullseye. Why? I'm not competent okay? But if you bring a punching bag here and say, I want you to throw a left high kick, switch kick, boom, that's my jam. I can do that. Confident as hell, right? But that's only because I've practiced that for so long. Understand that if you've never done something, you're probably not going to be that confident. And if you are, you might want to check yourself because you might just be egoing up to do the, the task. But I would say, honestly, confidence comes through evidence. Start looking at the right evidence. Stop looking at the stuff that's going to hold you back. And that right. made a big difference for me. Mm.
1: Really, really love that, um, and I know we're getting short on time here a little bit, but I definitely want to cover that. Brought me into something else too that I definitely want to get on the podcast. I think Alan, I don't know if you still do or if this was a used to thing. Uh, you had a podcast called Conversations Change Lives. Is
0: that was that was a uh, R.I.P. To, yeah, that, that was a used to thing. Okay,
1: but still that that phrase it was coming to mind as you guys were. We're sharing that insight, you perfect and you get better and and you work on being more confident and being a better speaker. You could practice that by having everyday conversations you really? know you could practice that by communicating with people and just trying to have more of a human connection and I think that message alone is really helpful for these these crazy twenty twenty days that we're living in too, just being able to have the hard conversations with people and able to talk with people in, in whatever topic and just make sure that you're trying to improve the way, if just the, the eloquency of the way you're speaking. It doesn't have to be necessarily the topic, but just work on not saying the ums when you're talking to people, you know?
0: Right. And it comes down to a lack of fear as well, because the reason you're saying, um, is because you're afraid of the white space. Which is actually the most powerful. Exactly. If you time it right. I remember one time I heard a speaker with Kevin and I won't name any names. I was like, his pauses are fire. And we found out later, I asked this person and he's like, yeah, I just couldn't think of what to say next. (laughs) You know, it's like he ended up being a better speaker because his mind wasn't working quite as quick as, as mine might. But I think if you, but again, that comes from confidence. Right now, this white space is because we've done it so many times. I can have a nice long pause so people listen in. there's There's nuances that your subconscious will pick up on through the reps. You got to get the reps in. we're We're four and a half years into this journey. We were terrible. yeah we, we were we were terrible. Look at Joe Rogan's first episode. It's terrible. It's genuinely awful. Yeah. you know, and now he's the most successful podcaster in the history of the world. Like everybody starts somewhere. So uh, the key is to keep going.
2: I would say this, too. If you want to become a better speaker, stop sending text messages and start sending audio messages. That's something we haven't even calculated. Right? The coaching calls too, like right. my coaching calls are all FaceTime because I want to see the person I'm talking to and I want to be able to communicate not only with my voice audibly, but I want to be able to do it with body language. So that's another thing. Every time I have the opportunity to send an audio message, I do it. Every follower I get, I send a video. Hey Parker, thank you so much for the follow. I appreciate you, man. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey. I've said that hundreds of times, right? So it's just, it's just practicing the art more and more and more and more. Absolutely love that. Well, thanks
1: for being on Upbeat. I do have this other segment I want to get to real quick uh, for sharing on social media, but real quick too, what's next for you guys? What's next for Alan and Kevin? Uh, What kind of dreams and goals do you still have and, and where are you headed? And what can we look forward to keeping up with?
2: Uh, We want to have the most successful podcast in the world in terms of personal development, not just for a life of freedom for Alan, myself, but to prove to countless others that they can have whatever life that they are willing to work for, keyword being work for. Mm. Um, I'm going to grow my podcast agency. I want to have many, many clients who I serve, continue speaking, continue podcasting, continue doing the gym thing. A lot of the same, but exponential.
0: Yeah, I'll answer this question with a a quick story. So my girlfriend's little sister asked me a question recently. We were all making dinner and getting set up. We're going to watch a movie. And she said, uh, if you won the lottery, let's say you won $30 million, what would you do with that money? And it was interesting because I thought about it for a second, right? I paused. And I said, honestly, Ella, I would do exactly what I'm doing right now, but a much more amplified version of it. And if I'm also honest with myself, I would start my charity and be more philanthropic now. And she later on that night said, that's the best answer I've ever heard. Normally people go to the boats or the cars or the, you know, all that nonsense. And that's all fun too, right? But if that's the reason why you're playing, I I would argue that you need to check in with something more emotional. And so when you say what's next, more of this in a way exponential way. Um, And I'm very, very excited. And also, I'm starting my own business consulting firm that's brand new. Eh, I guess not brand new. I've been doing it for about a year. And mostly helping heart-driven business owners manage their teams, get everyone rowing in the right direction, but also creating an environment and a culture that focuses on fulfillment just as much as success. So, that's my jam. Uh, Kevin's got his own podcast agency. I've got my own consulting firm. And then we've got the hyperconscious podcast, which feeds both of those. And so that's where we're headed. And um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Love it. Well, let's get into the upbeat seat is what I call this. Uh, it's it's where you, it's where you just put the put the experts in in a different seat for a little bit and just ask some fun questions and stuff like that. So, uh, and I've never done it with two people at the same time like this. So it'll be interesting hearing both of your answers. But what makes you guys upbeat?
2: This man, being able to serve, being able to contribute. And doing something that I love, that I'm very confident doing now, that at one point I didn't think I could do. Every time I get in front of this, I'm living my dreams. I would say seeing other
0: people succeed beyond what they thought was possible. It's a thing. Um, I love to provide a stage or an opportunity for someone where they can taste what life could be like if they really were to lean into their own unique version of grace, uh, greatness. Growing and developing leaders, it's
2: my favorite thing ever.
1: Who is your number one influence or inspiration?
2: Number one influence would have to be Alan. Not, not my number one inspiration though. <laughs> uh, my number one inspiration is probably my girlfriend. When, if, I'm, if I'm struggling, I check in with that because uh, she believes in me un- undying, like belief in me. And that just, when, when times get hard, I go there. And that's, that just keeps me going. I will not fail at this because of her.
0: So my answer would have been different in the past. And this is the first time I've been asked this since uh, being with Emilia. So I met her 10 months ago. She is single-handedly the most inspiring person I've ever met in my life. It's unbelievable, like, how good of a human being she aspires to be. And, of course, she makes mistakes like other people. But, like, nobody sees behind the scenes how hard she works to be a good person. It's unreal. And I, I remember telling her this, like, even if I wasn't your boyfriend, wasn't the love of your life, wasn't your future husband, like, I would still be blown away. I would still be inspired. Like you would be a hero of mine, even if I wasn't your man. And so that, that's my answer in terms of who's the most inspiring person, uh, for sure.
1: And what music do you guys listen to to <laughs> stay upbeat and motivated?
2: So this is going to be a change up, okay? Sometimes I like sad acoustic music to get into my feels, but I also, Eminem, uh, any, any like really good rapper, we were listening to... Um, Josie's on a vacation far away You know that song. Coming in <laughs> We were listening over. to that before That's like our pregame uh, Counting <laughs> Crows is our pregame So anything man anything, <laughs> anything in the moment that feels good So if you go to my Spotify
0: There's this Melancholy. playlist called Alan's Greatest Melancholy I do, I like uh, for me movies and music Bring me into my emotions I tend to be a very uh, mentally Intellectually stimulated guy And for me I need to get back in my heart um, and my soul and Answer so mu- the damn question, what yeah. kind of music do you like? <laughs> Slow any music that brings me back into my heart Yeah <laughs> And any movies that do that as well
1: Do you guys have any funny or unusual? Uh, talents or party tricks or anything like that?
2: Interesting. I used to be able to do the worm. I used to do that a lot, but It hurts
0: After a while unusual party tricks I would say I'm really good at yard games and Beirut. <laughs> like really good. <laughs> like too good. Worked too hard on that.
2: What's your favorite word? Savage.
0: Legacy.
1: <laughs> the very interesting, different answers. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that threw me off guard a little bit. Uh, do you guys have any top book recommendations for people listening in?
2: Uh, let's see. I would say if you are somebody who struggles with confidence... Mindset by Carol Dweck is, abs- I would say that, that is huge. I know what Alan's going to say. Yeah. So uh,
0: imagine you're across the table from me and you, you had the audacity to say, Alan, what, what's one thing I can do to be the most successful version of myself? I would literally take the book, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and I would just slide it across the table. And I would say, honestly, that's all you need. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's mundane and it's boring. And that's why it didn't sell 500 million copies. But it's, it is the principles that will bring success if you're willing to really digest it and live by it.
1: Love that. Favorite TV shows right now?
2: Favorite TV shows. I don't, so I only watch YouTube TV. I don't even know what's on real TV. I've been watching uh, Parks and Rec, King of Queens with Kevin James one are <laughs> my personal favorites. And then anything UFC. Saturdays, I spend six hours in front of the television watching UFC and I ain't mad about it. These are interesting questions. They I are. would say Friends. Um,
0: I am. I'm obsessed with it. It's, it's
2: not a good show if you're into personal
0: development because I don't think they do anything. Right. They don't work. Like They just hang out all the time. Uh, great show.
2: Hilarious show. If you, have, if you know anybody who knows uh, Jennifer Aniston, please shoot, a, shoot her our way, please. Yeah. We want to have her on.
1: <laughs> favorite social media platform and where people can connect with you?
2: I would say for, for me, uh, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram for sure. Sam's definitely my favorite. Instagram. At Never Quit Kid all one
0: word yes and at a lazarus 88 a l a z a r o s 8 8
1: awesome well thanks for being on upbeat for being on the upbeat seat <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> close this out by beatboxing your guys's name real quick yeah. you you might not hear it because zoom has been not picking that up lately but i'll record it on this end so you'll be able to hear it later <laughs> perfect get ramp, rid of the ramp,
2: the Fire! That's awesome. I feel like we got a longer <laughs> one because there's two of us. Respect. Respect. <laughs> oh, God. Um, We could hear most of it. We could hear most of it.
1: So there you have it. My interview with the Hyperconscious podcast host, Kevin Palmieri and Alan Lazarus. Kevin and Alan, thank you again for joining me on Upbeat. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening and for being here. We'd love to connect with you. All three of us would. You can find all of our social media links and stuff like that on our websites, thehyperconsciouspodcast.com and parkerkane.co. If you enjoyed the episode or got value from this episode, share it with a friend. And please leave an upbeat review. I'd appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You're the best. I'll see you next week. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Subscribe at parkerk.co.